the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. What father among you if his son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead of a fish or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. morning. For those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It is a joy to worship with you on this special day. Uh, Over the next few months, we're making our way through the parables of Jesus And uh, today we land in Luke chapter 11. But before we dive into today's text, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me begin by asking you this question. Have you ever witnessed the power of tenacity? At Hillcrest Elementary School back in 1984, there were four reading groups in the first grade based on reading competency. The lions, the tigers, the bears, and the chickens. Yes, friends, this was a thing. Back in the 80s in Lake Wales, Florida, we had the lions, the tigers, the bears, and the chickens in the first grade. And can you guess which group I was assigned to? The chickens. And now it's fun to laugh at today, but as a young guy, it wasn't so funny at all. In fact, it was embarrassing and shameful. And I remember going home crying that day when I was assigned to the chickens reading group. And uh, as you may imagine, this triggered heat and tenacity in my mother. Jeej, I think she's joining us. Jeej, as we call her, 
which is shorthand for Georgiana. She was hot hearing the news and she was determined. In fact, the next day, Jeej, my mom, accompanied me back to Hillcrest Elementary where she met with Miss Starr, my teacher, and she asked, how did this happen? Let alone, how was there a group called the Chickens? To which Miss Starr replied with something of the following. Uh, Mrs. Sorensen, uh, Paul is, he's just an average reader and he's an average kid and you know, Hillcrest is full of average kids, and that's okay. Well, friends, this was not okay with the Jeej. No, my mom's tenacity was just getting started. Within a week or so, we were sitting with the guidance counselor at Hillcrest Elementary, and my mom was demanding, asking with tenacity, how do we move Paul up into one of the higher reading groups? From that meeting, we walked out with all of the reading curriculum for the fall and then over the Christmas break for 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes in the afternoon, my mom read with me. And believe it or not, when we returned to Hillcrest after Christmas, I did ascend, Kendall, I did ascend into one of the higher reading groups. Her tenacity worked, but friends, it did not stop. Listen, <laughs> From that moment and for years to come, listen, every time I had friends over for a pool party or a sleepover, what did my mom do? She called a timeout once a day, pulled my friends aside, gave them a book and a room to go read in. True story. Greg, go read in this room. Yes, Jeej. Uh, Kevin, go read in this room. Yeah, yes, Ms. Sorensen. Uh, Wes, who's now a Navy SEAL, go, go read in this room. And this happened, and the memory still sticks with us to this day. We would read for 20 minutes a day when we had friends over. And it didn't stop there. No, she read somewhere about the Japanese educational system, which, of course, we didn't have in Lake Wales, Florida, Polk County, where uh, they just did school year-round. And so, accordingly, for 20 minutes a day all summer, we did math, my brother and I, and then for an hour a day, Every summer, all the way through high school, we read each day. And I can say, uh, it's not a stretch to think I would not be sitting here if my mom had not been so tenacious. Now, returning to our opening question, have you ever witnessed the power of tenacity? Not just in just ordinary life, but even in a spiritual life. Have you ever witnessed power in that form, in tenacity. In the words of the late Scottish missionary, Andrew Murray, Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach, only how to pray. And in today's passage, we see the power of tenacity as it relates to prayer, as it relates to us crying out to God together. So that's what we're gonna look at this morning. The big idea or the big takeaway from this morning's text is this. Prayer is our journey to the Father's house where we not only knock and receive our daily bread, but where we knock and receive our holy mission. And we're gonna slice this thin through three points, so let's begin. Point one, prayer is our journey to the Father's house. As Didi read, he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. 
fathers. Fathers. Yes, today is Mother's Day, but the Lord's Prayer begins with this word father. So that's where we're going to start. How was your father growing up? Was he great? Was he kind? Perhaps was he absent? It's always surprised me to hear my own wife, Carly, here in the front row, call her father daddy. Even to this day, she calls her father daddy. His given name is Tom or Thomas, and our kids, his grandkids, call him Peepaw. But nonetheless, Carly still calls her dad daddy. And so in preparing today's message, I had to ask her, what's, what's with that um, title, that intimate title. And she shared the following story. You see, growing up in Minnesota, Carly and her family often would go to her aunt and uncle's house to play games. They'd play games like bingo or Pictionary or charades. Do we have any gaming families here today? Give me a nod. Okay. Well, they'd play games like that. And at the end of the night, you know what, what happens in these kind of evenings. They put all the kids in one room and put them in front of a movie and the kids do what? They fall asleep. Well, from there, my wife recalls as if it were magic, she'd find herself being carried to their car and then carried to their house later by her dad. At first, she, she wouldn't know what's going on. She'd be startled when she uh, was woken up, but then she'd see that she was in her dad's arms and life was okay which allowed her to go back to sleep. She felt safe, she told me, in her father's arms. Returning to our passage, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, Jesus gave them these instructions. He said to them, whenever you uh, pray, say, Father, or as translated in the Aramaic, Abba, which literally means dad, daddy, Pops or dearest father. It's, it's an intimate address. It's a personal address. Dad, daddy, papa's dearest father. That's how we're to begin in prayer, Jesus says. And now this might not mean much to us with our modern ears, but such a teaching would have shocked Jesus's original audience. Their jaws would have dropped to the floor. Why? Because no one spoke of or to God like that at all in Jesus's day. No one. You see, as a historical marker, in the entire Old Testament, the word father was only used 14 times by the Jews. And almost every time it referred to God in a sovereign, almost distant sort of way. Moreover, in the Old Testament, the word father was generally used to refer to the whole nation of Israel, not a person, but the whole nation of Israel, as the recipient of God's affection. Thus, for this young rabbi, this Jesus of Nazareth, this supposed Messiah, to intimately call God Father, his Father, over 60 times in the Gospels, and then for him to invite his disciples, and by extension, us, to do the same, it would have been shocking, faith-shifting. Again, jaws would have dropped. But guess what, Macy? That's what we see. That's what Jesus did. There's no mistaking the instructions he gives here, Mia. Jesus tells us when you start to pray, start by saying, God, 
Father, Abba, Pops, or Daddy. That's where we're to begin. In other words, no matter the history with our own fathers or both of our parents for that matter, Jesus wants us to know that God, our Father, he's different. He's different. In the eyes of Jesus, God, our Father, is caring, he's close, and he's safe. Like Carly's dad, when he carried her to the vehicle or into the home. The late theologian Eugene Peterson once said, life to be meaningful must be joined. Intimacy is a requirement of wholeness. Life to be meaningful must be joined. Intimacy is a requirement of wholeness. And Jesus is telling us here that intimacy, personal, powerful, and close intimacy is ours by way of prayer when we start with the word Father, Abba, Dad, Pops. Do you see it? Now, before moving to point two, I'd like to share something else that's often missed in Scripture. It's often overlooked. And it's rather special in light of Mother's Day. Here it is. Even though God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are consistently referred to using he, the male personal pronoun in the Bible, Scripture also uses the illustration of God being like a mom over and over and over again. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Over and over again, Scripture uses the illustration of God being like a mother. In Isaiah 66, verse 13, As a mother comforts her son, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Does Blaze come to me for comfort or his mother, Carly? He goes to Carly. Listen to me, house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been sustained from the womb, carried along since birth. I will be uh, the same until your old age. I will bear you up when you turn gray, we read. I have made you. I will carry you. I will bear and restore you. Isaiah 46, three and four. In other words, the fullness of God is seen as him being the ultimate parent. Fierce in his love, protective in his love, and kind in his love. Again, to quote Peterson, life to be meaningful must be joined. Intimacy is a requirement of wholeness. And we find such intimacy, Jesus says, when we begin with the word, Abba, Brian, Father. So point one, prayer is our journey, not just to any house. No, it's to our Father's house. Point two, prayer is where we knock in which we receive our daily bread. The passage continues, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. Do not bring us into temptation. And he also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey, he's come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then you will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I've gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, Jesus goes on, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his friends, what? Shameless boldness. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, I don't know about you, but our family likes to do one thing. We like to eat. It's a fact in the Sorensen home, we like to eat. So it wasn't a surprise 
that a gentleman in our church, when he met with my son Blaze this last week, he said, I, I have an odd conversation with your son. I was like, yeah, tell me about it. He said, well, your son told me he's trying to scale back his intake. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he's scaling back to 4,500 calories a day, he, he told me. <laughs> True story. Blaze's scaled back to 4,500 calories a day. You see, this spring, in an effort to gain weight and muscle, he's been logging about 5,500 calories a day. Right, Blaze? Yes, in the back. And he's scaling back, y'all. What a problem, right, church? So we like to eat, especially Blaze. So we're turning to our passage twice Jesus mentions bread or food in our text. And while we're not going to unpack the whole Lord's Prayer, what is Jesus getting at here? Well, I want us to see it and to sit with, the, sit with it. Give us each day our daily bread. And then he shares this parable, right, about this person knocking on a neighbor's door. So first, taken literally, Jesus wants us to depend on God daily for our core needs, friends. Food, clothing, shelter, safety, Jesus wants us to cry out to God and ask him to provide for us regularly, literally, Dylan, every single day. That's the instruction. Sounds simple enough, but let's pull back and ask, really, is it? Bringing this into our context, I can't tell you how many times, implicitly or explicitly, I've had conversations with people, even people in this church, where their ultimate goal is to succeed in life, to succeed in life meaning make enough money to retire early, have some fun, and do more ministry, right? This is the dream here in the U.S., in the West. Yet, listen, if we study the scriptures, God's plan for his kids might just be a little different. To the Israelites in the desert, as they traveled to the promised land, he instructed them to source and store how much manna from heaven? A day's worth. Take only enough food for that day. Additionally, as Jesus sent his disciples out two by two in Mark 6 for ministry, he charged them to take nothing, quote, for your journey except a staff. No bread, no crunch bars, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not even bring two tunics. So that's interesting, right? So here's the deal. Here's the point. The call for the Christian is towards a life of radical daily trust and obedience in God to provide for each one of us. In other words, it's not all up to us. It's not all up to you. And that's a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. Listen, here's what this means. If you're not hitting home runs in your job every day, or sailor becoming some giant influencer, that's okay. Friends, it's not all up to you and it's not all up to me. And this is a message we have to hear. I know some of you wake up and feel literal pressure on your chest to provide. And it's a reminder, God is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider, not you and not me. And continuing in our text, a parable ultimately is a story with two meanings. So we're looking at these parables. So we see the literal meaning that Jesus says, uh, provide for us daily, Lord. But there's a second meaning here around bread I want us to see. You see, Jesus' model of prayer is not just about meeting material needs, but spiritual needs, right? 
And if we dive a little deeper, we discover something interesting about one word in our passage. Is this word daily? In fact, this word daily outside of the other version of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew is never ever used in any Greek text in Jesus' day and age. It's a mysterious word. So what does it mean? Well, linguists tell us through a deep dive into historical texts throughout history, it can actually be translated tomorrow. Tomorrow. Thus, we can read verse three as such. Our bread of tomorrow give us today. That's interesting. Our bread of tomorrow give us today. In other words, Abba, Father, Pops, Dad, fill our lives with the hope of tomorrow today. Father, give us your eternal perspective today. And one fellowship pulling back, I just love this. It allows us to see our lies and all of our stories and all of our pleasure and all of our pain and light of eternity. So bringing this back into the room and back into today, today can be one of the hardest days in the church calendar. In fact, I would say, men, you might not know this. Pastorally speaking, this is the hardest day of the year for most women in the room because it comes with such a mixed bag of emotions. Out of all the holidays, it, it typically is the hardest. For some, it's a day filled with joy and celebration. For others, it's longing and sadness. Some of you have wanted to have kids for a very long time. You've been unable to do so. Others have had kids, and here's the deal. It's proven to be much harder than you and I thought. Be it illness, be it rebellion, be it distance, parenting's been hard. Still others in here are single. Even though you've prayed for marriage, you've wanted something more. And yet others in here have gone through a very tough divorce. All of these experiences are in the room today. Again, Mother's Day is a mixed bag of emotions. Well, in light of sharing all of that and in light of whatever you've walked in with today, listen, Jesus invites you to pray to the Father and rest in his plan. Again, by way of Jesus, the invitation is to come to your loving dad and rest in his plan. And what do we read at the end of the Bible? Revelation 21. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Thus, friends, we can turn to God with all of our needs, all of our dreams, and all of our pain, and trust that all of it matters to him. We can, you can, I can. Give us each day our daily bread. This cry ensures that God cares for us right here and right now and gives us an eternal perspective. And this leads us to point three. Prayer is where we knock. And a lot of you, a lot of us miss this. This is so special. Where we knock and we receive our holy mission. So I say to you, ask, it will be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake 
instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil or fallen know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As Dan Allender and Tremper Longman uh, write in their pivotal work, Cry of the Soul, which is an exposition on emotions through a biblical lens, the irony of the Christian faith is that it is not a quiet submission to the fates. It asks, it shouts, it's a cry that is heard in heaven. In other words, our faith and prayer lives are meant to be tenacious. For the teachers in the room, ask, seek, and knock are present imperatives in our passage. So the call is not just to pray one time and one little knock, Jesus. No, the picture here is a constant ongoing knocking at the door of our Father. In fact, what language do we read? We read that guy in the parable goes to the Father with shameless boldness, with tenacity. And that's how Jesus calls us, you, to pray. Whatever you're carrying in today, to pray with tenacity. And then bringing this close, let me just reflectively ask, is that how we pray? Is it how you pray You see, the scale of our prayers will be determined by the scale of our God. The boldness of our prayers will be determined by the bigness of our God. And yes, that's a word. I looked it up. So how big is our God? How big is your God? Well, he's big enough to send his son to die for you. And that's the first twist in this passage. Jesus is our ultimate daily bread. John chapter six, I'm the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. For this is the will of my father that everyone who sees the son and believes in him will have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Wow, that's quite the proclamation, right, Kath? It's quite the revelation. About, what, two weeks ago, a group of us went to London to this church conference in London. And we were walking a lot. And then we rediscovered or discovered something called the tube. It's these underground trains that take you all over London, right? And here's the deal. Cody, if you ever go to London with Cody, Cody loves the tube. He's like, are we taking the tube? And while you're getting on and off the tube, what do they tell you? Anyone know? Mind the gap. Mind the gap. They say it over and over again. Please, mind the gap, meaning the gap between the train and the platform. So that must be a thing. A lot of people must not mind the gap because they tell you over and over again. Well, guess what, friends? Jesus bridged the gap between God and man. That's why he came. Ultimately, he came to close the gap through his life, death, and resurrection so we can have our bread of tomorrow today. Our tenacity in prayer is linked to God's tenacity to love. Bold love generates bold trust in prayer. There's one more twist we need to see. Here it is. In prayer, expect to be surprised. And I think we, honestly, I think we pass by this all far too often. In prayer, expect to be surprised. If then 
you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, this is one of those statements that would have baffled, shocked his listeners. Why? Because up to that point in history, the Holy Spirit was given to specific people for specific purposes, for a specific place in history. And yet, what do we read here? Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will be given to all who cry out, Abba, Pops, Daddy, dearest Father, the Holy Spirit is available to everyone, in other words. So why should we care? Well, track with me. Fast forwarding to Acts chapter one, Jesus said, when you receive power, uh, you will, excuse me, you will receive power, he said to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, through prayer, we're not only called to love, we're called to mission. Again, back into the room. Have you ever prayed? And you ever noticed in prayer that certain people or places come to mind? that seems so random. Dare I say that those people and places aren't random at all? What if I told you that God uses your prayers in the empowerment by the Holy Spirit so you can pray for, care for, and go to specific people and places as his witnesses? What if you're called not only to be God's sons and daughters, but you're called to be a part of a tribe of witnesses, dare I say priest. A priest introduces God to people and people to God. Might that be your calling too, friend? Prayer is our journey to the Father's house where we not only knock and receive our daily bread, but we knock and receive our holy mission. So friends, here's the invitation and the application this morning. First, call out to God today as your father. He loves you. You are loved. Call out to him as Abba, Pops, Dad. He's safe, he's good, and he's close. That's what Jesus wants you to know. Second, ask God for your daily bread. Make it a physical and a spiritual ask. Be specific in your prayers. Mike, be specific. If you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, recognizing him as the ultimate daily bread, let today be your day. Jesus came to close the gap. And third, here it is, friends, be tenacious. Dad, Father, Pops, be tenacious when you pray. Have the mentality, can't stop, won't stop. Ask, seek, knock, pound on the door of heaven. And guys, expect to be used by God. After the first service today, several people came up to me and they said, that's so true what you said about prayer at the end, about being called to mission. Dare to trust he wants to call you, even you young people, to mission. You got it, Padgett's? Expect to be used by God as a, as a part of a tribe of witnesses, a tribe of priests. Friends, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this invitation to come to you in an intimate, personal way. Today, we cry out to you. And specifically, Dad, we bring the following needs to you. 
I invite you to share your needs to God right now. Share your longings to God. Share your pain to God right now. Give us this day our daily bread, Father. And God also, even right now, show us to whom we shall go with this love. To whom we shall go with this love. And give us the boldness to follow through. For our good and your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.